Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, January 20th. So much going on right now at all levels of tennis. You look at the off-court drama happening in Australia. Things really seem to be hitting a crescendo between the frustrations felt by the players as they prepare for the first Grand Slam of this season and, of course, the pressure being put on Tennis Australia by the Australian government to maintain their regulations in Australia. They've done such a good job of managing the coronavirus pandemic. They measure cases by the tens, not by the hundreds or thousands per day. And so, of course, they are not willing to sacrifice the integrity of their efforts just in the name of a sporting event. And, you know, you can understand both sides of the argument. Of course, you know, safety, health for the community, for the nation of Australia, that far supersedes the results of a Grand Slam. Of course, if you you're a professional tennis player to be locked up in your hotel room for two weeks without any access to a tennis court but before you know two of the first real weeks of competition in this 2021 season I would be frustrated as well so would you so would any tennis player dealing with those circumstances so it's a balancing act and of course it's something we will continue to monitor here on the mini break podcast as we all prepare for the action in Australia to begin tomorrow on the show we're actually going to have New York Times's Matt Futterman, uh, who is on the ground in Australia, hearing from these players, you know, seeing and experiencing the quarantine for himself. And so going to be excited to hear his perspective. First time guest on the show. That's always a fun thing for uh, for me, at least as a host. Hope all of you listeners enjoy that as well. So that will be the subject of tomorrow's podcast. On today's show, we talk about something near and dear to our hearts here at Cracked Rackets. We're going to talk a little college tennis because hopefully, as all of you listeners would be, will be aware of this by now, uh, this weekend we have the ITA kickoff event. We have seven host sites for the men, seven host sites for the women, top 28 teams in the country. Should be a phenomenal weekend of action, and of course, we are going to be covering all of that action from first serve to final serve of the weekend on our Cracked Rackets Red Zone show, Red Zone show. Excuse me, it's a working title. That's why I always stumble through it, uh, where we will be, again, jumping from site to site, match to match across the country as the action heats up everywhere. We are really excited for the launch of that show. Hopefully, all of you college tennis fans will join us for the ride. Uh, You know, again, it's the sort of thing, and, you know, we do a lot of fun things here at Crack Rackets, but if I was a college tennis fan and I heard about this sincerely, I would have been so excited. So we're really excited to bring this to all of you fans out there. It's free of subscription. There will be be no advertisers, just uninterrupted, unsullied uh, action and access and commentary to some of the best college tennis happening across the country. So again, hopefully all of you will join that us for that on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, of course. We're still wondering who exactly are we going to see during this ITA kickoff weekend event, of course, the college tennis season happening under the same pandemic as the pro tennis season, as all of us continue to live under, and as such, we have learned soon 
uh, over these past few days of a couple of withdrawals from this event. We talk about those withdrawals, uh, the impact they will have on the draw, and of course, if it alters our predictions at all for what we expect to see this weekend on today's podcast. So, of course, joining me to do that, the two other members of our College Tennis Holy Trinity, uh, Chris Halioris, Matt Stokoyak. You're going to hear me introduce them as if it was a Great Shot podcast, because initially it was supposed to be just one Great Shot podcast, but then, as we always do, I saw that we hit the hour and a half mark on the show, and I said, no, 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 no. We're going to divide this into two. So this is part one of that conversation, where, again, we update all of you listeners on where we are at for the ITA National Indoors. We also talk about the results that unfolded on the court last weekend. We did get to see a few invitationals, a few hidden duels, you know, dun-dun-dun, which is what you have to say anytime you say hidden duel uh, here at Cracked Rackets, as I explain in the show. But we talk about the results, what they mean for this upcoming weekend, and so much more. It's a phenomenal conversation that I know all of you listeners will enjoy. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out, because of your support, because of our incredible Patreon family, who we are so thankful for. And by the way, if you want even more coverage day in, day out, go subscribe to our Cracked Rackets Patreon, where you know we're not just providing these podcasts commercial-free, but... We're also providing them with, you know, unfiltered access. You'll hear me swear, all of those different things. Uh, I say that and more unfiltered with the help of our super producer, Daniel Westoff, of course. Uh, We also have some new things for our listeners, our Patreon subscribers this year. Uh, Things such as our match of the days we do on Monday and Friday where I talk about a matchup happening in the tennis world that I am focused on specifically either early in the week or again towards the end of the week heading into the championship weekend. We're getting to know all of our Patreon family as well, so be on those lookouts for those messages if you are a Patreon subscriber, and of course, we sincerely appreciate all of the help we can get day in, day out. It allows us to take chances to do things such as the Red Zone, where I learned to negotiate to the opportunity to get the broadcasting rights for these schools. You literally have to say, no, I promise you schools, we're not making a cent off of this. You're not missing out on any profit, because if these schools sniff out that there's a single penny, and by the way, I apologize for saying this, these schools have been so helpful. They've been so kind to us. If you are listening to this and you are a specific administrative member, I do not fault you. I think this is just the uh, perspective is the wrong word, the operating uh, agenda, I suppose, of the NCAA. If there's money involved, they want to make it. And so uh, obviously we didn't want to lose out on doing something like this red zone coverage by having sponsors, which wouldn't have allowed us to get the broadcasting rights. So shout out to all of you schools that helped us get those broadcasting rights, the coaches in specific who helped us work with the athletic departments. But uh, of course, again, uh, we have no sponsors. We have no, uh, you know, we can't charge any money for this. So any support we get through our Patreon, we sincerely appreciate. With that in mind, of course, we also appreciate our friends at Midwest Sports. It's a long intro, so I'll be very, very quick here. As always, go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15, 15% off, free two-day shipping, all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Go to MidwestSports.com. Promo code is CR15. They bring Midwest values to tennis equipment, so be sure to check them out. Let them know we sent you there. I didn't. Oh, I think I breathed once during that entire sentence, so you know the deal by now. You also know, at this point, it's time to get to our show. So, without further ado, let's get to our ITA kickoff, week, kickoff weekend update with Matt Stico. And Chris Hallioris. Westoff, roll it.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. We finally made it, folks. The week of the ITA National Kickoff Weekend is officially upon us. We've got seven host regions for the Division One men, seven host regions for the Division One women, and a weekend filled of extraordinary college tennis. Now, if you listened to this podcast yesterday, you heard Matt Stachowiak, Chris Halioris, and I give our preview of ITA Kickoff Weekend. We broke down each of the seven men's regions, talked about the best players, the best teams in each of those regions, who we expected to emerge. But we also mentioned the fact that, of course, we're trying to hold this event in the midst of a pandemic. And because of that, facts on the ground will continue to change. It will be a fluid situation all the way until Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when these regions kick off play. And joining me on today's podcast to offer an update on what is going on regarding the national kickoff weekend to talk a little bit about our predictions for the 2021 season. And of course, to answer all of your fan questions submitted to us in our first college tennis mailbag of the 2021 season. Let me introduce the other two members of our college tennis holy trinity. We'll start where we always start. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com, and of course, the other half of Baylor's Nick Stokowiak. It's Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot as always. You getting excited to head to Ann Arbor? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm getting excited, man. I'm going to make my appearance, my first appearance at the Michigan Indoor Tennis Center, and uh, I'll have to hit up Mr. Spots as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to that here on, on Friday or Saturday. It will be a dream of mine if Mr. Spots someday's elect, uh, someday elects to sponsor this podcast. That's honestly all I'm ever working toward. So I appreciate the free plug there. Hopefully someone on the Spots team is listening. They're a big tennis fan. But yeah, I am jealous that you get to go to my home city that you are going to get to see so much great tennis in person. Of course, I should mention, we will be covering all of that action all weekend long on our Crack Rackets Red Zone feed. Now, again, working title. We will have a better one for you once play kicks off. But we're going to be covering five of the seven regions on our YouTube channel all day long, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, where you're going to start as soon as the first match starts. That's 10 a.m., 11 a.m., depending on the given day. And we're going to cover it through all the way through the end of the day's match matches. We're going to be jumping from host site to host site, court to court, as action heats up across the country. And the man who will be joining me on that feed all weekend long, and of course, the third member of our college tennis, Holy Trinity. I hope you guys have a minute prepared because that's how long it takes to read his intro at this point. The forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lover of almond joys, lover of mothers, the snitch, the professor, the one-shouldered designer, and of course, a man who quotes Henry Ford. It's Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot to you. You excited to be by my side for 10 straight hours on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? I'm excited for college tennis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a good answer. I'll take it. Side, Alex, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't spend it any other way. 
No, I, according to your wife, that's true. That's what we learned this week, Chris, is she agrees. She, you wouldn't spend it any other way, but uh, of course, no. definitely agrees. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, I am so grateful and so excited to be uh, covering all of the weekend's action with you as well. Again, if you guys want to find the link to that show, go check out our YouTube channel. Just search Cracked Rackets. You can also find the link on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you can find it on our Twitter feed, Instagram feed. It'll be all over the various Crack Rackets channels, so uh, be sure to tune in with us if you are a college tennis fan. But, gentlemen, the reason we have reconvened today, A, to answer some of our fans' questions, but B, to offer an update on where we stand right now. You know, we are recording this Tuesday night, so I suppose we've got all of Wednesday, all of Thursday, uh, so you know, two more sleeps, and then we will have the ITA kickoff action upon us. And facts on the ground have changed since we last spoke. There have been developments in regions across the country. I want to start our conversation today there because since we last spoke, we have had three additional teams pull out of the men's draw. Now, one team also pulled out of the women's draw today. Uh, we're going to focus on the men's side. It was uh, Texas Tech pulling out of the Ohio State region, UCF pulling out of the USC region, and Oklahoma State pulling out of the Texas region, each of those teams having various COVID-related protocols uh, affect their team, and thus they won't be able to travel to those host sites. The good news, we have a couple of replacements for them. In in Ohio State, it's going to be Middle Tennessee State traveling to Columbus now. Uh, What will happen is Virginia will take on Iowa in their round of 32 match. Middle Tennessee State now going to face off against the Buckeyes in USC. It's going to be the run-in rebels of UNLV. Somewhere, Tim Blinkiron, Luke Smith, they're smiling as the Rebels are going to head to L.A. to take on USC in their first match. UCLA now going to take on Cal Berkeley. Two other things I want to note real quickly. A, the spot in Texas that was vacated by Oklahoma State still currently open. And Chris, I'll go for you uh, to you for an update there in a second. B, We still have some other COVID issues lingering amongst some of these teams. Now, notably this past weekend, the Wake Forest Invitational canceled due to concerns about COVID. UCLA similarly pulling out of an event due to their concerns uh, about COVID. You talk to people around the program. Uh, There are legitimate questions about whether they're going to be able to compete this weekend or not. As of right now, it's still a go. But Chris, I want to start here with two questions for you. A, what are you hearing about, again, uh, these withdrawals and the process for filling the spots? And B, uh, do you think we're going to end up with 28 teams competing this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll, ha- I think we'll have 28 teams. I mean, I don't know how it started when we had the first withdrawal. If At, at that point, uh, the ITA was kind of going down the list one at a time, right? You know, hey, first was Minnesota, second was, you know— uh, whoever i don't even know if middle tennessee was next or if there was somebody in between them but um you know they they may have started that way and i think what they found out real quick was especially given that it was southern california and you know not only with just what's going on in southern cal but all of those teams would have had to travel quite a distance to get there uh and so it, it became problematic just trying to fill that spot and so i don't know if that was planned ahead or on the fly but they did a good job in kind of coming up with a process they've now are on their third iteration of here where they're effectively just going out now to a large number what that number is i don't know but let's say it's 15 20 plus teams and they're just going to everybody in the list hey 
there's a spot at X location. Would you take it if you were offered and, you know, and you have until X time to respond. And at that point in time, the highest team in the list that has said yes gets the spot. Uh, and so, uh, so that's what they're, that's what they're doing. Uh, and you know, at the same time, I've talked to some coaches out there, like you had alluded to the fact that, you know, there are, you know, we've seen online on Twitter, UCLA pulled out of Pepperdine. We all have to suspect that maybe there's a chance they have to, to pull out. I've spoken to another team that already had said, yeah, they, they'd go to USC if they had to. So I don't think they'll, that seemed to be the most problematic region to fill. So I think they'll be able to fill that even if they had another withdrawal. Um, and then uh, in talking to some teams with like, with regards to this Texas opening, there are, there are takers. So I don't think unless all of a sudden we get all these COVID tests back. So the process there uh, to the best of my knowledge was everybody should have been getting tested by today with results due back tomorrow. That's kind of when we think, Hey, if there's going to be a big rash of, Oh, we have COVID protocol now that we have to take care of it comes tomorrow. So as long as we don't get just a huge rash of that tomorrow, I think we should probably be able to fill these spots. Okay. So what you're telling me is we'll be back here tomorrow night to record another addendum to our ITA preview uh, of the kickoff weekend because, yeah, uh, as you mentioned, that testing going to come in on Wednesday. And, uh, again, there are legitimate concerns across the country. Now, it was great to get to see some college tennis this weekend. And, Maddie, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the tennis we actually saw unfold on court in a second. But, Chris, just to follow up there because you alluded to it and this may be the thing uh, – teams, coaches, players, whoever listens to this want to hear the most. It does sound like Texas is going to be able to find a fourth team to fill that spot. And it does seem like we will have 28 teams because, you know, the ITA sent out guidelines, right? Here's what happens if there's a COVID issue and we have to go to four uh, flights and singles and every doubles point at that point is now worth uh, a full point on its own. And you know, the different rules that will be in place for teams to have to adjust to COVID on the fly during the season. But of course, if you get an imbalanced region, especially this close to the deadline, you know, now when it's only three days notice and you're a program and you have to coordinate travel and you have to coordinate uh, testing and all these different things for your program, that's obviously not an easy thing to do. You do think that Texas region will end up getting filled? Absolutely. As long as it, that's the only withdrawal, I, I, I know they'll have a fourth for that region. Um, so, but to your point, you know, if it happens tomorrow night and it's all of a sudden Wednesday night and you need to be somewhere by, you know, Friday morning, or maybe they could push a Friday back to a Saturday if it was that type of deal. Yeah, it, it gets problematic. But as you know, the, the good news is, you know, the one that's the furthest away from all these teams for the most part is that USC region and, and they're not going to have an issue there. So should it happen in any of these kind of Midwest to East coast areas, we have a lot bigger pool of teams that potentially could, could get there and probably even drive and make it fairly quick. So, so I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think as long as we don't get a big rash in Texas, there's two sites in Texas, right? If all of a sudden we get like, say, maybe three withdrawals in, in Texas, that maybe that gets tough. But uh, but for sure, there's an easy one spot to fill. And then if it happens to be, you know, North Carolina or NC State or Michigan or Ohio State, I don't think we have any issue filling those. Mm-hmm. And the fortunate thing thus far, and of course, uh, this is 
I think at this point they probably still have to play the host role, but thankfully it hasn't been any of these host schools, right? Or at least on the men's side, on the women's side, Stanford did have to pull out, but that was with such, you know, further notice that Pepperdine was able to make the accommodations to become the host site and things became that much easier uh, than a situation where if a school was able to pull out now. But from a competitive standpoint, and this, Maddie, is where I want to get your take as well, you know, you lose teams like Texas Tech, like UCF, Oklahoma State, Obviously, the Stanford loss was a conversation we've already had, but when you look at what's you know transpired these past few days, how does that change your perspective competitively about the predictions you, Chris, and I may have made on Saturday? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, unfortunately, the teams that pulled out here, guys, and, and again, we're talking about Central Florida, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. These are all teams that had a legitimate chance to win a match, at least one match, right, within these regions. And I think we I think we picked them to do so. So um, definitely from a, a competitive standpoint, it's going to take it's going to take a hit. I mean, all three of these teams, um, you know, were were very legitimate and had a chance to, to compete and, and do well. So, you know, I think. You know, some some of these hosts maybe are are breathing maybe a bit of a sigh of relief. Hey, we don't have to play these guys now. That's it's going to be an easier path for us. Um, but obviously, you know, schools are going to come in and, and we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, it's 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 going to be a little bit different for sure. Huge bummer, huge bummer for all of us college tennis fans that we don't get to watch Oklahoma State play Florida in that first match, that round of 32 match, particularly given the fact that it looks like Duarte Valle, as we saw this past weekend, lined up at the number one singles position for them in, I believe, both of their dual matches. And, you know, the idea of Riffis playing two for them. Inglidson was at four singles, no Lucas Greif. They struggled in doubles uh, versus a veteran Oklahoma State team. That had upset alert written all over it. Ditto, you know, I don't think Texas Tech was going to go to Ohio State and beat the Buckeyes, but they're they're always a dangerous team. So it would have been really fun to get to see them compete. Of course, more than anything else, we're wishing safety and health for all of these programs. But yeah, from a COVID perspective, that is what's unfolded these past few days. And believe me, if you're locked in and following us on Twitter, or uh, if that is something you want to follow closely so that you have up-to-date information as soon as we know who is replacing Oklahoma State in the Texas region. We'll tweet it out. We'll put it out there for all of you listeners to hear. But as of recording this podcast, uh, that vacancy currently open. Chris, am I going to get you in trouble if I ask you to make a guess of who goes there? Are you willing to do it? Oh, I'm not making any guesses. I'll, uh, <laughs> I think it, it, that'll, that'll get filled tonight. But uh, at the same time, I'm not, you know, and, and, and until I know that it's gone out, uh, you know, obviously, someone's going to, I'm going to hear it from somebody, but until all the coaches get that news, I'm not going to put it out either and try to, you know, we're not going to try to, to, to scoop, uh, you know, anything too, too terribly. Okay. We want to make sure. Can I, can I give you a counterpoint? This podcast isn't going to come out till tomorrow. So under your, under your, uh, scenario, these coaches will have already known who's replacing (laughs) Oklahoma state because they're going to find out tonight. So technically you can say it on the podcast and sound that much smarter by the podcasting world, knowing that you knew it the night before. Yeah, this, this is true, but no, I mean, I, I, I I can't do it because I, there's, there's actually, there's a fair number of schools. I think that, uh, I talked to specifically regarding the USC opening 
uh, that gave me some hard nose. But now that it's not USC and it's maybe a little more manageable, I mean, I just look at the list and I, I give me five names. That's yeah, what I'm I didn't saying. go back and specifically ask these folks, right? But uh, I see three right away that are, you know, geographically, it's a, a decent possibility. And that would be like, say, LSU, Tulsa, and Arkansas. All of them not mm-hmm. terribly far from getting down to Texas, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, I, I would think that one of those schools might pause to go, oh, hey, yeah, we weren't going to Southern Cal, but yeah, Texas actually is, is, is an okay drive. And then, and then the East Coast schools like VCU, like Liberty, your Midwest school like a Notre Dame, all of those schools I think could be uh, in play. There are other schools that have got their own pod set up. So for example, people that look at that list on Slam Tennis, uh, Clemson, Old Dominion, South Florida and Auburn set up their own pod, if you will, this weekend for matches that I don't think any of them, it's not, it's not a given. I don't think any of them will, will bail on, but you know, other schools like Alabama before they withdrew had set a matchup middle Tennessee before they came in had set a matchup and pulled out of, you know, pulled out understandably so, but, but I think those schools are content with that. I, I don't see any of them leaving, but uh, but yeah, th- those are just some of the names that jump out at me, especially for a Texas spot as being possible. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a name you didn't mention, and uh, the, the name of the coach is slipping uh, my brain right now. But I feel like Tulane is also always a school that'll be like, yeah, f- it, we'll come play. Like, why not get another match in, get a good competitive opportunity? I feel like that's their attitude. That's why they're such a fun program. To yeah, follow. that's why they've had. Success. They've got other reasons they can't, but yeah, I don't. It won't happen. With I mean, they are geographically. It's okay if it could be cheap, maybe. Uh, but you know, it's yeah. And for a lot of these schools, and that's the other thing that's kind of a shame is it's not. You know, there are several schools that I talked to that said, hey, you know, once we didn't go in the first time around, we set our dates up, we got our budget, and and that's it. Uh, so yeah, there's yeah, yeah. No, there's it's a tough world, especially uh, given the constraints so many athletic departments are operating under right now. Yeah, it's it's tough to be flexible in 2021 if you're a college pro if you're a college athletic program. So certainly, uh, again, this is where things stand right now as of Tuesday night, heading into the national indoors. If anything else unfolds, we will be sure to reassemble the squad. But we did have our first look. At some college tennis action this past weekend, we had Hidden Duels. Ooh, that's the sound effect I always make in my brain whenever anyone says Hidden Duels. So we had some Hidden Duels, ooh, going on across the country. We had the Ohio State Invitational, of course, as well. That featured the Buckeyes, Wolverines, and Fighting Illini. Maddie, I want to come to you first on these results because, you know— We'll we'll give our extended thoughts momentarily, but it did feel like it, there was some significant action. It was just great to see the guys back on court. Your thoughts on what we saw unfold, your biggest takeaways. Yeah, I mean, we saw quite a bit. Obviously, Ohio State looked good. Cannon Kingsley, I think, to me, I you know, is just cementing himself as, you know, possibly a top five player in the country. He's looking very, very good. Um, Duke played NC State, Virginia Tech. They really had some good results. That was very good for for the Blue Devils. They, uh, I think, won 14 out of 16 singles matches against uh, Virginia Tech and and the Wolfpack of NC State, who we've been talking about a lot. Um, So that was definitely eye-opening. I'll be curious to see how Duke does against South Carolina 
um, this weekend. That should be interesting. Obviously, Florida playing. I'm still pretty shocked that they had Sam Riffis playing number two in those matches. I just, to me, I, I, I don't know. Obviously, Duarte Valle is a, a fantastic player, but when you look at that lineup, for me, I just, I always envision Riffis one, Valle two, and, and I, you know, it was a bit of a shocker. Um, you know, a guy like Lucas Greif not even playing in that top six potentially. Um, you know, that's a bit of a shocker. Losing the dubs point, like you mentioned, Gruskin. So, you know, obviously we can't put a whole lot of stock into all of these results, right? Because it's early and they may have not been practicing as much. And a lot of these guys are just getting to campus. But it was good to see some action and, and have them play competitively. And I only expect it to ramp up from here. I forgot about the thrill of the deuce point and how securing that one deuce point can entirely shift the momentum of a match. I was watching it uh, with Nick Beatty and he was playing, I want to say, I don't think it was Mercer. It might, no, no, it was, uh, excuse me, JJ Tracy. I had the first name right. It wasn't Mercer, it was Tracy and Tracy had a couple of break points and two big serves. BD erased it, right? And 30-40, deuce, game over. And then, you know, Tracy plays a sloppy point at 30 uh, all. It's 30-40. Now you get two break points, so BD gets to play aggressive with his first return. He's able to do so, and he gets the break. And that's how he secured the 8-6 pro set victory. It was so nice to get back in that environment, the format, the liveliness on court. And, of course, I was watching my Wolverines, who are particularly live. Lively, uh, but you just miss that atmosphere, that environment, and it was great to see those guys on court. Another match you didn't mention, one that happened today, I believe it was 4-2. Texas A&M knocked off Ole Miss in a thrilling battle that saw, you know, Habib push to three sets and uh, Aguilar losing in three sets at three singles for the Aggies, and so a lot of notable results. I have, I'll give my take on the Wolverines, don't worry, I'm not going to get out of here without giving that, but Chris, your thoughts on the play we've seen unfold thus far in 2021? Yeah, so well, I mean, it's it's great to get started. Yeah, that match today that was actually four three. It was it was kind of odd because the, the scoreboard showed six five in the third in the one remaining match, and I had to ask was was the score right? And I guess what happened was uh, uh was Marson retired like match point. I, I don't even I can't even imagine why you do that. But anyway, so the, it was a four three match. I think he was like down love forty maybe or something at six five. <laughs> probably going to happen anyway um which he just I, usually if i see something like that i think oh there's gambling but i mean it's college tennis there's none of that <laughs> so but uh, uh, but yeah that, i mean good. that was a great match right we saw we got we got to see a lot over the weekend that to to your point that ohio state invitational you know my, my takeaways there same as as maddie ken and kingsley look tremendous my other takeaway that you'll have to comment on: Andrew Fenty looked horrible. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't. Not sure. I didn't catch the third day. I think the first two days of singles he was zero and four. I don't know what happened after that. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know. And then I was interested to see some guys like uh, there, like Illinois had Hunter Heck who turned in a good match, beat Kyle Seelig. Um, I believe it was Seelig. I'm not positive about that, but he he beat one of the one of the one of the good players there. Um, but getting to see, you know, just getting to see some of those guys get back to action was, uh, was, was very, very interesting. Um, I, I gotta admit that after I saw what happened with the Michigan guys, I'm really curious now, you know, is it 
Fenty Styler or Styler Fenty. Uh, so we'll we'll find that out soon enough. Come this weekend. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, there were some very good good top level matches, and it was finally good to see. Uh, you know, just see matches and see some live streaming. Uh, for once, uh, we're, we're back to having some good college tennis. Mm-hmm. No, it was great to see PlaySite has added a Deuce Point stat uh, monitor feature to their play-by-play coverage. So every so often it'll flash on the screen, let you know where these guys are at, who's taking what Deuce Points on serve. Uh, before I say my next answer, just keep in mind how much you guys were giving me today in our group chat before I say the thing uh, that's likely to get you slightly perturbed with me. Oh, uh, Look, we really only have one weekend and then the occasional fall tournament here or there of results for these coaches to help justify their lineups, to help figure out what they're going to do heading into the kickoff weekend. And I'm not saying we've seen the lineups yet, but I'm also not saying we haven't seen the lineups yet. And so let me just say this. If you you know see some funky things here this weekend, college tennis fans, don't let that surprise you at all. Because to your point, Chris, Fenty was not good this weekend at Ohio State at all. Every other ball, the forehand was either a winner or was a shank to the back fence. And that happens with him from time to time, but it was happening in spades during this first match too. Something Maddie said, oh my God, is Cannon Kingsley ready to be the best player in the country? He's taking that sophomore jump this season. We all anticipated in our preview pod. You could see it on the singles court. There's just a decisiveness about him. The way you know, he handled Andre Styler fairly comfortably the way he just hit his way through every opponent. He made it look really easy. The forehand, the serve are pro weapons, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, they're absolutely not just upper echelon college weapons, but professional circuit weapons, and I think he's just going to thrive in that Ohio State program this season. Oh, the Gators, the Gators, the Gators. Matty, you mentioned it all. Inglitson played four singles, and he went three sets. And it's just like, I don't know, Matt. Is it just a guarantee we're getting three sets from Inglitson no matter what at this point? Are we just going to continue to ride this heart attack experience until, you know, his final college tennis season is complete? Because sometimes this Florida team, it just frustrates. I don't know. I don't know. Your takes, you sort of gave it already, but your thoughts on anything Chris or I have said. Yeah, it's interesting, man, with Florida. I just... I don't know, guys. I mean, are they going to figure out doubles? Uh, they have Bicknell. They had him playing, like, pretty low. You know, 5-6, or he was down there somewhere. That was kind of a shocker. I mean, I, I, I don't know what they're doing. I, I, I don't know. They're going to have to figure it out pretty quickly, you know, because they're in that Texas region, right? They're going to have to probably match up against Texas uh, for a spot to go to national indoors. And, you know, Texas is is going to be solid. They really are. I mean, they've got they've got a very solid team. I'm not going to say that they're outstanding. You know, they don't have an awesome, you know, number one, number two players. Their depth isn't tremendous or anything. But I just feel like overall, Texas is maybe a little bit better than what we expected them to be coming into the season. So Florida's got to get it together quickly. But no, I expect Ingoldson to stay. I really do. I think Coach Shelton's just going to ride him. He's experienced. He's been around for eight years now or whatever it is. You know, I, I don't, who knows how long. So I think we're going to see more of him, and we're going to see more three-setters. Get used to it, guys. Chris, who would you feel more comfortable playing, honest to God, Greif or Inglitson? Who would I feel more comfortable playing? At, like, I'm playing them or I'm the coach? You're the coach. 
At four, Ingleton. At six, maybe Greif. Uh, I mean, look, yeah, it's it's going to be hard. Ingleton is he's been there. Obviously, we saw the guy play in you know one two for them several years ago. But uh, it's it's hard to hit anyone off the court with that forehand. It's just not going to happen. But he's going to grind. He he manages it well. He knows how to manage his game. And you know, in general, he he comes out on top. Um, I mean, the backhand's just dead solid money. Um, I mean, he's he's not easy to you. He's one of those guys that you watch. It's like watching, you know, it's like watching a guy with a one-hander that you can't do it. Like going to Rybakov, like you've heard Rybakov say that. People think they can just hit high top spin to my backhand and come in, and I love when they try it, right? Uh, you just, it's not always the case. And and it's, that's the thing, that's the case with Engelson. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do expect, sure, you're going to see some long matches. He'll he'll grind all day. He'll go three sets. I I don't don't think he's probably going uh, anywhere either. I think that's the I think the lineup we saw them come out with. I mean, I think you know we kind of all thought, hey, just from the past, Riffis is probably one. But we saw him play volley there both days this weekend, uh, and I can't say it's uh, it's not right. I mean, Sam didn't have a particularly great fall. Duarte has played great, so you know that that may be uh, what they go with the doubles to to you know to maddie's point was a little more uh disconcerting but uh, i mean south florida plays great doubles ashley fisher all you know he was a tremendous doubles player he coaches dubs south florida is always good at dubs sure you don't want to drop the doubles point i don't know that i'd get too worked up about dropping a doubles point to them but at the same time it won't surprise me to see them possibly mix it up a little, if not for the coming weekend, as we, you know, if things don't go well this weekend and they roll the same lineups, then I would say you probably see them trying maybe some different things in doubles. In the ITA preseason rankings, Riffis number eight individually in singles, Vale number 12. So you're right. It's not a tremendous stack. It's not an egregious... <laughs> I almost made a joke. I... <laughs> Can I make a joke, Chris, or no? Do you want me to make a Don't joke? Do or no? Don't leave, do it. I'll leave. I'll leave it up to no. I'll leave it up to Chris. I mean, is this a Ty Tucker joke? Yeah. <laughs> okay. As long as you both know the direction I was going, I don't need to say the joke out loud. It's not an egregious uh, decision. It's not like a I am challenging this immediately, and I am going to feel wronged if I lose this challenge. Sort of decision. Um, but it is interesting to note because we said for Florida to be where they expect to be in the national title conversation, then Sam Riffis needs to be one of the five best players in the country like he's capable of being. And to have him start the season at number two is disconcerting if you're a Gator fan because it's not that Duarte Valle is bad. Duarte Valle is exceptional. But Sam Riffis has the talent to be upper echelon best of the best and I don't know if Ali quite has the game for that so again it's fairly notable uh the start here for Florida I will also say one other thing I learned Nick Beattie's 2020 season was real folks he looks exactly the same heading into 2021 of all the guys in the Michigan lineup He's probably the one I come out of this past weekend feeling most confident about heading into the national indoors.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Chris Halliors and Matt Stokowiak breaking down where things stand heading into this weekend's ITA kickoff event, of course. We've tried to cover this event from all the different angles. If you missed our initial preview show, you can go check that out on the Great Shot podcast feed where, of course, you can find our College Contender Series breaking down our top 11 men's college tennis teams heading into this 2021 season as well as our preview of all of this weekend's action. You can also hear our conversations with the head coaches of our top 11 teams on our Cracked Interviews podcast. Be on the lookout for our final edition of our College Contender Series, talking about the number one team heading into this season, the UNC Tar Heels, dropping on Thursday, I believe. Uh, you know, A huge shout-out to all the coaches who helped make that series happen, 11 up, 11 down. That's a shout-out to them being willing to work with us. So, of course, we are really excited to continue to work with all of them throughout this college tennis season and thrilled to be launching our Red Zone coverage of this weekend's ITA kickoff action. We will be covering, again, from first serve to last serve each and every day. We have the broadcasting rights to four of the seven host sites. Unfortunately, no Texas, no TCU, no UNC for now, but we should have Michigan. I don't say should. We will have Michigan, Ohio State, USC, uh, and I am NC State uh, covering them from first serve to final serve. So hope you all join us Friday, Saturday, and Sunday should be a really fun uh, weekend of action. And of course, again, if you have missed any of our content, you can find it all on the website, crackrackets.com. You need those more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly? I am at Great Shots Pod. Speaking of those messages, the mailbag edition and all the other things I talked about in the intro of today's show can all be found on the Great Shot podcast feed later on this week. So be on the lookout for that as well. Shout out as always to the super producers, Max Fleeger and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out, making it possible for us to preview all of this, uh, all of this weekend's action from all of the various perspectives. Uh, again, we sincerely hope you join us for our Red Zone coverage, and we will be getting back to our pro tennis coverage here on this show on tomorrow's Mini Break Podcast when we bring in Mac. Futterman of the New York Times, so be on the lookout for that. And if you missed our stock up, stock down, stock hold with Sandy Middleman, that was Monday and Tuesday's episodes, part one, part two. I think that is something all of you listeners will enjoy as well. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt and Chris, my super producers, Flinger and Westoff, my friends at Midwest Sports, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.